All right. Well, welcome, everyone. Thank you for hanging out with us wherever you're watching or listening throughout the week. It's an honor and a privilege to spend this time with you as we celebrate Christmas in July. Really, we just wanted to des- de- dress up in uh, all of our Hawaiian stuff. I'll be honest with you. We we're getting ready for this. How many Christmas vacation fans we have out there? Yep. I was really going to wear, like, uh, the tank tee and the bomber, the bomber hat and look like Cousin Eddie because that's about the story of my life on the diving board. But I didn't for all of your joy- enjoyment. I didn't, so let's be thankful to the Lord for that, that that didn't happen today, but I will tell you, we are so thankful you are here, because we're celebrating Christmas in July, and if you want to thank someone for that, thank our Vine worship team. Alyssa came to me and said, hey, we've been praying about this, pray about it, Uh, we don't have enough time to sing Christmas music in church, so is there a way that we can have some kind of Christmas day or Christmas music uh, on a Sunday, and uh, during the summer, and so it landed up being Christmas in July, the very last Sunday in July. Here we are celebrating it. You don't see a Christmas hat. You don't see any of that, and that's okay. Because you know what? If I'm in Hawaii for Christmas, I'm not wearing a hot red Santa hat. You know what I'm saying? It, it is what it is. I, I'm already going to have so much sunscreen on, it's not even funny. So wherever you are right now, that is why you see everyone dressing up as we celebrate Christmas in July. And we learn through, I saw the light. I saw the light. So how many of you went to the Hank Williams Sr. version of that? I know you did. Don't lie. It's okay. If you haven't, you'll know you know. But I saw the light. You're all looking it up on your phone. That's perfect. It's all right. It'll make sense here in a minute. Uh, I saw the light Christmas in July. What we've been doing through these series is uh, we've just been walking through the prophets. We've kind of been in the major prophets right now. Uh, We started uh, as Samuel, the first prophet. We saw David anointed king. Then we spent a few weeks in Daniel. We learned through Daniel what Daniel had going on. And today we're going to be in Isaiah, in the prophet Isaiah, and some familiar scripture at Christmas, some new scripture at Christmas, and we're going to have some fun. But here's the thing that I would say. Everybody's in their vacation gear. We love vacation. As vacation is nearing, we hope and pray that your vacation has been awesome. More on that to come. So really quick, if you got your Bible, let's get to Isaiah 9. Isaiah 9, if you don't have a Bible, we have them free for the asking. Say it all the time. You can follow along with us for free as well on our Vine Church app. But wherever you're watching around the world, our Vine production team's incredible. It's going to be on the screen wherever you're watching around the world. So make sure you get there. We're going to be in a couple different places. We're going to be in Isaiah 9, Isaiah 53, and the Gospel of John. So here's what I want to need you to do. When we get to John 1, y'all may have to throw these little lays at me. You may have to throw something at me because I get excited when we're in the Gospel of John. I could go all day long with that. So just hang in there with me. I promise you it's going to have something to do with Christmas. But wherever you are right now, get to Isaiah 9. Really quick reminder where Isaiah is. Isaiah is a prophet. Uh, he's a prophet in Israel, but most of, his, most of the time he is in Judah. What ends up happening is the kingdom of Israel split into uh, uh, when, when Isaiah is there, it already has. And The northern kingdom has already been sacked by the Syrians, and the Assyrians are about to come. So Isaiah shows up before Daniel goes into Babylon, if that makes sense. So we're kind of taking a time machine back in time before where we were in Daniel, okay? So that is where we are. Isaiah is prophesying of the future Messiah to come. In Isaiah 8, that's what he does, but he ends Isaiah 8 talking about a nation walking in darkness. And the nation that's walking in darkness, if you read it in the Hebrew, it actually points back to Psalm 23 when it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He is saying, hey, right now, Israel, right now, wherever you're watching around the world, you may feel like you're in the valley of the shadow of death. You may have had a bad medical diagnosis. You may have lost the job that you've worked your whole life for. You may be in a financial crisis. You may feel like you're in a dark valley. And that is why I think this is a perfect opportunity for us as we start school 
in a dark valley as we go through all of these things and you see that Jesus is our hope. And that's what Isaiah is pointing to and I saw the light. So here we go. Verse 1, chapter 9, verse 1 of Isaiah says this. Nevertheless, nevertheless is what I just told you. Isaiah 8, the people were walking in darkness. He had prophesied of the Messiah to come at the beginning of 8. He says you're in darkness. That's what the nevertheless is. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress in the past. He humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephthali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. So basically what Isaiah is saying is the Messiah will come from the north. All right, the northern kingdom is already in a bad space. And if you look at Jesus' ministry, most of his ministry was in Nazareth in the northern part of of Israel, in the northern part of where they were. He was born in Bethlehem, which is the south, but he, he came from the north. So that is what Isaiah is prophesying right there when it says the Nephthali and Zebulun. Verse 2, the people, came, the people excuse me, walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land in deep darkness, a light has dawned. This is Isaiah hearkening back to the beginning of Isaiah 8. He just talked about darkness at the end. He's saying, that they will have a great light. Verse three, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice in dividing the plunder. So Israel is going off into captivity in just a few years because they keep turning their back on God. And real quick, before we keep going forward, we, we kind of talked about this with Daniel, but I'm just gonna be real. It isn't a flannel graph, rosy pictures, Daniel in the lion's den, and he was petting the kitty. And everything was good. It wasn't that way, all right? When these people were taken captive, as we learned last week in Isaiah, the, the men became eunuchs. If you've ever worried about that, go see a bull, have a rubber band put on a place it doesn't want to be, and you'll see what happens. They were eunuchs. They could no longer reproduce. So the nation of Israel shrunk. It shrunk down. And so now when the Messiah comes, the nation will grow. Well, we know in Christ Jesus, the nation grows through you and I that are considered Gentiles. And Isaiah is saying, hey, even though you're depopulated, even though you're about to go into captivity, even though you're delanded, you've lost your land, when the Messiah comes, the nation will increase. God's family will grow. His chosen people will grow. How, what, what will we do with that? Well, we will celebrate like a harvest. Have you ever been to a harvest celebration? We had those back in the day, right? Call them trunk or treat now. As a matter of fact, it's called the Festival of Booths. Uh, and the Jews celebrated that, more on that in a minute, but the festival of booths, they would celebrate the harvest season, thank God for their harvest, but a warrior rejoicing during a plunder, many warriors, when we look in the Bible, God tells them to worship before they go into battle, because he's won it, but the warrior usually celebrates after the battle, because it's over, right? Like, they're, they're going to the plunder, everything's good, so that's how we will be celebrating. Verse 4 says this, for in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. So we're gonna have some alliteration in the house of God today. Gideon defeated Midian with 300 people by God. Remember that, if you remember that, Gideon was out at the millstone. God calls him out, says, you'll be a mighty warrior. He gets all the men of Israel. God says, take him down to the river. Uh, however, the, the ones that lap up water this certain way are the ones that are gonna be with you. And he, he dwindles the people down to 300 and God delivers them. So in other words, as God set Israel free from oppressors with Gideon, he is gonna do that with the Messiah. Christ is done on the cross. Last verse, verse five. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood 
will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. In other words, all those that were against the Lord will be destroyed. If you look in Revelation, John's revelation, the revelation where the curtain is peeled back, Satan, the beast, is thrown into a sulfur lake and a fire, right? So here's the thing, really quick, if you get nothing out of today, this is what I believe Jesus has for you today. There's two differences between the people of God when fire show up. Maybe you missed last week, cool if you did. But when fire show up, here's what happens. The people that are, are not in Christ Jesus, don't trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior, the fire will destroy them. No question about it. It'll destroy them. The people who are not in God will be destroyed. The people who are in Christ Jesus, when the fire comes, they're going to be refined. It's a big difference. They're not afraid of the fire. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abed to go in there, turn that thing up seven times. Come on. I need a tan anyway. It's good to go. Let's go. Turn that fire up. It's not going to touch me. So that is what happens when the Messiah comes. That is what Isaiah is prophesying. All those that oppressed God, they're just going to be fuel for the fire. All those that are in Christ Jesus, they're going to be purified, made righteous even more because of Christ Jesus. So here we go. Skip down to verse 6 and 7. This is the Christmas verse. You know all of this. You're getting ready to sing the song because you already know. Uh, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Like You know that. You're doing it. Ready? Like the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So when I'm sharing all this, I'm giving you a ton of information today. I'm sorry I get really geeked out in this series because it's exciting to me because I'm learning new things. Uh, the names of the Lord we're actually walking through on our Bible reading plan. We just started kind of that Saturday. You can join us in the app. You'll see that. But let's look at the names of Jesus just really quick. We're going to brush through them really quick. The Wonderful Counselor, Jesus, the Wonderful Counselor. The wonder, yes, is Jesus himself, but think about that. Wonderful Counselor, he was in the presence of angels and God. He has the counsel of God. He was with God in the beginning. So think about that. Like, if that's something... Wouldn't that be someone you would trust who's had great counsel? Like, I don't know about you, but if you've ever gone through a mentorship program or you've ever gone through anyone who's giving you counsel, you want someone who's been there, done that. You do. You want somebody that's a couple of steps ahead of you, and then you want to mentor someone a couple steps behind you. That's kind of where you want to be. So Jesus has not only been there, done that, he created it. How crazy awesome is that? So he's a wonderful counselor. We want that. The mighty God, mighty means victorious. He is victorious. He is Jesus, God in the flesh. So he is the mighty God. He is God, one. The everlasting father. His kingdom endures forever, and he is a father. So his nation will increase under David, the promise of David, right? Like for us, he sits on the throne of David, but also the promise of Abraham, way back in Genesis. Most important thing is he is the prince of peace, because it's who Jesus is. Shalom, peace, completeness, wholeness. What's the one thing you want on vacation probably more than anything? Peace, right? You want rest and peace. You want some peace. Like, you, you just want peace. The reason you go on vacation is you want peace from something. Like, you want some peace. The promise of the Messiah, he is the prince of peace. See, when Jesus comes, we no longer have to study wars and formations and figure out if we're going to sack towns or do we walk around a wall seven times before it falls. When Jesus came, we have peace because he's already won the war. See, in this world we live in, we're worried about wars and dividing what's left in this world, but Jesus has already overcome it. 
It's his anyway. So why in the world are we studying war when instead we should rest in his peace? And that's where we are. Anxiety will get us in that, and we don't like doing that. So Jesus is the prince of peace, the Messiah. One more thing, the zeal of the Lord. Jesus is described, one of, one of our, come on, if you've ever been in church and you are for church discipline or you are for getting angry, you love Jesus flipping some tables, right? He flipped tables. Why did he do that? The zeal of the Lord was upon him. What is zeal? Zeal is a jealous love that will accept no opposition. In other words, God loved us enough more than our sin that he sent his son. He will have no opposition. We in sin oppose him. And he loves us enough through his son to make a way that we could be with him that even sin itself cannot stand against him. That's what we have to understand. And so it leads to just the next little nerdy thing I have for you, if you're ready. Are you ready? Give me an amen if you're good with it. I hear some amens. All right. So we're going to have this on. Before we get to Isaiah 53, you can flip right. I'm trying my best not to bore you. But we can't celebrate Christmas without something else happening. We've got to include our Jewish brothers and sisters here. So there's this thing that happens Usually around Christmas, believe it or not, it actually happens. It ends the day after Christmas this year in 2022 when we're recording this. There's this thing called Hanukkah, right? I just spit all over this thing. Hanukkah, right? Hanukkah. How many know where Hanukkah came from? See, here's the thing. Daniel 11, we spent some time in Daniel. He prophesied there were kingdoms to come. There was a statue. And remember, it had all these different layers and how we said that Roman was, Rome was split into 10 kingdoms. But right before that, Greece was split into four kingdoms, right? We said Alexander the Great came, and there was this bronze and iron, and I'm, I'm hearkening way back. So if you don't remember, that's it. Daniel had a vision as well. We talked about that with the horns and the ten horns and the Ancient of Days in Daniel 7. Well, Daniel 11 goes deeper to prophesy what Hanukkah is, okay? So Hanukkah happens about two centuries before Jesus is born, somewhere around 150-ish. There's this thing called the, the Maccabean Revolt, the Maccabean Revolt. And what ends up happening is there were the four kingdoms after Alexander the Great died. Uh, Judea fell under Egyptian rule, okay? So the Egyptians are beaten. There's this thing that leads to the, the seculid, I'm going to screw that out however you say it, but the seculid empire, okay? There's this guy named Antiochus. Antiochus, I'm going to say that wrong, but if you were to go to a Jewish person, they may slap you in the face for it when they hear this. You know, because it has to do with Hanukkah, okay? Antiochus comes in. It's the fourth in line. And he built, a, he built a statue of, Jew, of, of Zeus in the temple. So now they're, 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 everybody's getting conquered. He puts that in there. And what ends up happening is the Maccabean revolt happens. John the Maccabean comes, and his nickname is the Hammer. Like, you want that guy, right? The Hammer. The Hammer goes. They lead a revolt. They take back the temple really quickly. It's where Hanukkah is. They take back the temple. They tear down the statues. They go to consecrate the temple or dedicate the temple back to the Lord, and they find that there's enough oil to light the, the, the candelabra, the golden candle stand, the golden stand that was always to be lit. They only had enough oil for one day. See, the problem is they had to consecrate the oil. They had to press the oil for it to be ready. So in order for that to happen, they needed a resting period for that to happen. And so what do you do? You've done all this work. You've dedicated the temple. It's time to light the candle to keep it going, and you got enough oil for one day. Well, the oil lasts eight days, just enough time for them to get more oil. So how it goes is the reason you have eight candles and one in the middle is it is called the Festival of Lights because it is the Maccabean Revolt that happens. And so they celebrate that every year in the ninth month on the 25th day. I hope it'll make sense here in a minute. The ninth month on the 25th day is why they have Hanukkah. 
the festival of light. So if you didn't know anything about Hanukkah, the reason that matters is because it's going to set up where we see Jesus show up in Isaiah 53 and John 1, okay? So Hanukkah comes, the people are excited, they see the festival of lights, and they think the Messiah is coming to overthrow. They read Isaiah 9, and Gideon overthrows the oppressors. Hanukkah comes, they're excited, they have eight crazy nights, if you know, you know. They like the menorah, they go and play the dreidel, they have some fun, they have the, the, that every year. And so now all of a sudden we hear and see Jesus in Isaiah 53, And this, if you've ever read it, is known as the suffering servant. So Isaiah 53, if you want to flip right in your Bible, and we're going to start in verse 3, and we're going to see what ends up happening because the people will expect the Messiah to look a certain way. Verse 3, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain. Like one from whom the people hid their faces, he was despised and was held in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned our own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So this is Jesus on the cross. This is the great shepherd. This is us sheep without a shepherd. Jesus comes. He is the shepherd, but he was rejected and despised, became a man familiar with pain for us. So wherever you are right now, the darkness that you may be struggling with, you may think no one understands. If no one on this earth understands, he knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to... Be familiar with pain. Maybe you're going through pain. He knows what it's like to actually be of low esteem. Because that's what was done to him. Isaiah 53, he is explaining this. And Jesus took all of that on the cross for us. Look here, skip down to verse 10 and 11. It says this in Isaiah 53. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life. I like that circle that will come in a second. The light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. This is Jesus going to the cross for us. A lot of times prosperity gospel misuses we are key, we are we hear. We are healed by his stripes, and by his stripes we have been healed. A lot of times you'll see that thrown around, and and you know how I roll with that, but here's what I want to tell you with that. Nothing was going to stop Jesus from going to the cross. Not Judas's kiss, not the Roman Empire, not anyone. Nothing. You know why? The selfish answer is you think it was you and I, but it's not. He was here to do the Father's will. It was the Father's will that he was crushed. And because he did the Father's will, what we couldn't have done by being obedient, he goes to the cross for us. Does that make sense? He goes to do the fight. He's obedient first. Children, listen to your parents. He's obedient first. You're welcome. Back to school. He was obedient to God first, God the Father first. And because of that, what he did on the cross sets us free. It makes us righteous. Long story short, without getting there, Christ is our propitiation. Here we go. He is our substitute for our sin. He dies, pays the penalty for sins for us, okay? He expiates. He removes our sin on the cross because he pays the penalty for it. And he imputes, he puts his righteousness upon us. The righteousness we can't earn or have ourselves to get saved, 
he puts it upon us, which puts us in right standing with God. Even when he was rejected by us, he was spit, by, spit on by us, mocked by us, he was not Gideon. That is why the Jews rejected him. He was not Gideon. He was not John the Maccabean. He was not a zealot. When you read about who was Barabbas, Barabbas was a zealot. When you read about Simon the zealot in Jesus' time, these were people that were trying to overthrow the Roman Empire. And so when Jesus arrives on this earth and the Messiah comes, they go back to Isaiah 9. They go back to Isaiah 53. They read Daniel 11. The Maccabean revolt has already happened, and they're thinking when God, when Jesus comes, the Messiah comes, what's going to end up happening, he's going to overthrow Rome. We're going to have all our land back. He's going to overthrow Rome, and nothing is going to matter because we are going to be on top again. See, the problem was when Jesus rides in on the triumphal entry at Easter, see, the people are exciting. Hosanna, save us, save us. They expect him to turn right to go to the Roman palace, but he turns left to go to the temple. That's where the people were like, whoa, 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 dude. Ain't you already been there? Like we saw you there teaching. As a matter of fact, Isaiah was so important for each and every one of us. This is what Jesus teaches out of mostly, is Isaiah, so that we could get it, the people could get it. So that when Hanukkah comes, he can say, hey, this festival of lights is pointing to Jesus, the light, who has overthrown sin, death, hell, and the grave for us. Like the festival of light. That is it. That is what it's about. He is the light. No longer do we have to worry about the servant candle lighting the eight and having eight crazy nights, which is great. Imagine that, parents, eight nights. You spend enough on one night, eight nights, getting everything ready. Bless Jesus' name on that. Eight nights, instead of doing that, you have the one. Now, the people were, were, were rejecting. We've rejected Christ. But yet, Jesus still came. And did the will of the Father for us. So wherever you are, what, what I want to put my cards on the table before we go to John 1. All that, all that requ- is required for you to be saved is to trust Jesus' righteousness over yours. That he is who he says he is. That he is the Messiah. He is the light. He is the great shepherd. That he did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. That's it. In a nutshell. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what Christmas in July is all about. See, it's not a, we, we know this, it's not about the gifts, it's not about the tree, it's not about any of those things, it's not about lighting the menorah, even though that's going to happen this time, which by the way, quick tangent, I promise I'll, bring, I'll reel you back in. If you ever want to worry how messed up our calendar is, it's always the ninth month and the 25th day, December, what does Deca mean? Ten, but it's the what month? What does Octa mean? But it's the tenth month. What does Septa mean? Seven, but it's the ninth you ever worry about how messed up our calendar is? Like, I don't want to hear it. The Jewish calendar was around a lot longer than ours were. They went by the lunar calendar. So you ever want to mess up? We celebrate the 10th month and the 25th day is Christmas. Hanukkah is the 9th month and the 25th day. It's just crazy to me. I'm sorry. That's a little side tangent to say, yes, Jesus did divide time, but we screwed up something in the calendar in translation. I don't know what, but we did. So all that to say, wherever you are, as we as, that's what happens when we take control of things. So now let's get to John 1, because you're going to see something. So I promise you, I'm, I'm laying a foundation in Isaiah 9. If you're with me, hang in there. Isaiah 53, I'm laying a foundation. Go ahead and get in your Bible. Keep flipping right. lot of ways right. Get to John 1. John chapter 1, and let's see John's Jesus story. John tells the story and birth of Jesus different than the other Gospels. And you know your boy loves some John. And when you find out John the Maccabean is the hammer Holy cannoli, isn't that even better? Like, it's such a great wrestling name, the hammer. We're ready to go. So, John 1, verse 1 through 5, and it says this. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things have been made. Without him nothing has been made that Nothing was made that has been made, excuse me. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now let me ask you, doesn't that sound like Isaiah 9 too? They have seen a great light, that the light has come. You see, for each and every one of us, this is, this is what I love about God's story of the Bible. The light has come. The people have seen a great light, and the darkness will not shine against it. Isaiah 8 says that they are in darkness, but the light will come. The great light will come and will penetrate the dark. And see, for you and I, it may not make a big difference. So light and darkness, we just flip a switch. All is great. But let's think back. John 1, he was with God in the beginning. Genesis 1, verse 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was void and formless. Darkness was over the land. The Holy Spirit hovered over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And he saw that it was good. And he separated the light from the dark. And he called the light day and the dark night. And there was morning and evening on the first day. So let's get this straight. God the Father was there. The Holy Spirit was there hovering over the waters. And then the light was there. So Jesus was there in the beginning. But this is what John is saying. He was with God in the beginning. When God said, let there be light, Jesus was there. He was the light. And he shined against the darkness. So even in Genesis 3, when the fall happens, Jesus is already there. God is already prepared for him to come. When he says that, he goes to Satan and says, hey, you will strike his heel, but he will crush your head. The great light, the great light is there. Let's go down. Uh, the reason I'm going to skip down to verse 9 is John talks about himself. John the Baptist is there. He's talking about him, say, JTB, preparing the way, ready to go. So verse 9 through 14. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Does that not sound like Isaiah 53, the suffering servant? So the suffering servant, like the world rejected him. See, this is a beautiful part of this. So uh, uh, a few years ago, uh, Hillsong United made this song, So Will I, a billion times, however you feel about it, it is what it is. But there's a, there's, a, there's a verse in there, I think it's like the third or fourth verse. It talks about Jesus going to the cross. And it always gets me because it says this, and this is what I want you to think. If you think God doesn't love you, on the hill you stood, suffered and died for your sins. You see, what's crazy about this is in the beginning, Jesus was there. He created all of this, and us, his created, rejected him. Completely rejected him. He still, in spite of us, goes on the very hill he created, the very rocks he placed on God, God, the very, the very way, the Theo Della Rosa, if you will, he knew all of this, put it in place, still went for us. If you think nothing in this world matters, then no one loves you, no one will ever love you. A hill he created from the beginning, when God said, let there be light, light, ooh, there. Verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children 
of God. Now, I told you something gruesome a second ago, but realistically, when Israel went into captivity, they became human. They could not reproduce. Yet through the Messiah, Isaiah promised that the nation would grow. We just read in verse 12 that through Jesus Christ, through the Messiah, we have the right to become children of God. The family grows. We get to be adopted into sonship, as, as you read later in the New Testament. Verse 13, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of husband's will, but born of God. Verse 14, the word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. This is Christmas, y'all. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, we say it every year at Christmas, so I'm going to look. Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. We have seen the Son of God. So Jesus Christ is that. John 1, did everyone read? His Christmas story is different. If you've ever heard me speak, you know why. So this is so important for us. Because when Jesus came, there was a light in the world, right? The light. The light was from the beginning, but Jesus is the light. We say, okay, when, when was Jesus announced? In the morning or at night? In the dark, right? The shepherds were watching over their flocks by night. Come on, you've seen Charlie Brown, you know. They were watching over their flocks by night, and lo, the angels came, right? Hey, when Jesus is on the cross, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, count, I count it this way. John doesn't. I know I'm weird, so sometimes John doesn't account it the same way. When Jesus was on the cross, before he gives his spirit up, what comes over the land? Darkness. Why? The light is not there yet. There's a new day dawning. God's making a way for his people. So anytime there's darkness, the light will shine, and it will not overcome it. So no matter what darkness we feel we're in, inflation, stagflation, high gas prices, no groceries, war, tyranny, government, laws, court decisions, who cares? The darkness cannot overcome it because the light's already defeated it. What does it say that we will have for those who are in Christ Jesus in heaven. There will be no sun because what will light up heaven? Light, Jesus. His light will light it up. He's always lit up. I don't know. I probably shouldn't have said it that way. But I'm getting old for the kids. I'm not a youth pastor. That's, that's an old story. Uh, light up. So for all of us, the question is, have we received him to be fully at peace? Because here's the thing. Once again, when you're on vacation, man, oh, man, you want some peace. You want some rest, right? You get mad at the boombox over there. Like, I'm terrible. You can tell I'm not married with kids because on vacation, I, I don't take them much. Y'all already know. But when I do, like, we're doing stuff. I ain't staying. I don't care. If I'm somewhere. I want to take it in. I got to take it in because I don't know if I'll ever get to go back there. So when I do stuff like if there's, most of the time when I go, we're going to accomplish this one thing today. The rest of the day, I don't care about, but I'm going to this one place. I'm going to do this one thing. Uh, and if that requires me getting up at 6 in the morning or 7, or you getting up with me at 5.30, you hate me because you don't want to go there. Explains probably why I'm not married with kids, because you just probably want to rest on vacations, right? We're going to the beach. Like, that's not me. I'm not just going to go to the beach for the day. I don't roll that way. I want to go see something. Like, <laughs> I've been in the dirty ocean. I'm good. The sharks won't attack me because they're like, oh, a beached whale. It is what it is. So, like, you know, like, I don't worry about that. So, I'll go to the beach, yes, but, like, I want to go do something. So, like, if I go to Las Vegas, I'm going to the Hoover Dam. I want to go see the Hoover Dam. If I'm going to Las Vegas, I'm going to go see a show. Like, I'm going to go do that. If I'm, if I'm somewhere, I want to go do something. But see, most of the time, we just want to rest. 
on vacation. I want to be at peace. See, we take vacation because of our work, right? We work hard. Work hard, play hard, right? Like, we work hard. We want to work hard. And see, here's the thing that many of us will struggle with when it comes to Christmas. Jesus came so that we would stop our righteous work and we could rest in him and be at peace. It doesn't mean that we don't work. It means that instead of our righteous work, we rest in his work to do his work. So we're at peace. So in other words, in Christ, we can always be at vacation. I know that's hard to believe. Preaching to the choir right here. Just talked about choir robes. I'm preaching to the choir right here. But we can rest in him. We can be at peace. No longer do we have to work. Listen, as a pastor, I'm so glad you would not rely on me to be a priest. Because I have no clue if the dove or the, or, the, or the deer or the ram or the pig or whatever, well, it wouldn't be a pig, but whatever it is for the sacrifice, I don't know which one. Is this a friendship offering, a peace offering? I don't know, Lord. I'm just throwing it up to you. I have no clue. I hope they're good. Like, you have to remember all of that. We don't have to do that anymore. In Christ Jesus, we rest in him. And the work that we do is love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength and love others. That's the rest we get. That's the vacation we get. So when the world is stressed out, anxious, and just pulling its hair out, come on in. Yeah, yeah, just bring a, well, I got the umbrella up on the beach shore. Come on in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hulu and I'm, yep, I'm good to go. I can rest. I can rest. That's hard. That's what separates us from the the world in Christ Jesus. So when you're on vacation, the question is, are you continuing? When you go on vacation, here's the problem. You know the worst day of vacation? Last day of vacation, right? What does most of us do on the last day of vacation? Packing everything up, we're getting ready to go home. Now, I don't know about you, but anytime I go on vacation, I clean before I leave because I want to come back to a clean house. Maybe you don't do that. Maybe you do. I don't know how you know I'm not married with kids because I just, I, I don't it's going to be clean. I don't want to come home to a dirty house because it's like more work to do. I go to vacation to get rid of it. So that's why I do that. So all that to say, when we come to that, it's the last day. Vacation's in. Got to go right back to work. But in Jesus, there's no on the cross. We get nothing out of the day. We can dress in our vacation clothes. See, when we clothe ourselves in our righteousness, we got to get right back to work. Clothed in Christ and his righteousness, we can have peace, peace, shalom, peace, perfect peace, shalom. If you ever heard that, that talked about, that we've talked about it here. It is completeness, wholeness. In other words, we don't have to search to see who we are. We get to be Which leads to the craziness. So when we're on vacation, I had to do it. It's going to make sense. On vacation and you're at the beach, you got to have your shades, right? You got to have your shades. You got to have shades. You, you got to have that sunlight. Uh, don't look directly in the sun, right? Don't look directly in the light. We're always taught that. Don't look in the light. You got to have your sunglasses on. But you see, if you were to read the famous, the most famous verse in the Bible, John three sixteen, you know, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If you go on to read 18 through 20, it talks about Jesus being the light. But we the people love darkness. So now I mean, think about something. We wear glasses to shield ourselves for the light, from the light, but what do glasses also do? They hide you, don't they? Listen, if you want to know somebody and you want to know what they're doing, what's the first thing you're supposed to look at? 
Their eyes. The eyes are the window to the soul, as we heard, right? Their eyes, their eyes. Now, I'm not smart enough to know psychology or whatever, but I did watch enough thriller movies to know that like, the FBI people can figure out if you're lying or telling the truth by what side of the brain you look at. The eyes also uh, don't hide my allergies. You can tell if I got allergies. Like I can't, I can wear glasses, but you can, you can't see that. If if I'm struggling, if I'm struggling with something, if I'm not sleeping, you're gonna see the bags under my eyes. If I'm struggling in addiction, you're gonna see my pupils dilating, not dilating. You're gonna the eyes. The eyes are important. And see, so many times we would rather go through life with our sunglasses on because it hides who we are. And it says in John three eighteen through twenty how we love the darkness more than the light because the light reveals who we are. You see, we're afraid that when we take the glasses off. The world's going to see who we really are, which is sinners in need of a Savior. But you see, Jesus, the light has come so that we don't have to wear these glasses all the time. We can be who we were created to be. The world can see our eyes and say, hey, I may be struggling with something and I may presently struggle with, but Jesus has still set me free from it. That's what we have in Christ Jesus. So when we're on vacation and we got our shades on and we're, we're, we're resting, we're doing these things, I want you to see that the light has come so you don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to hide behind the glasses. You don't have to try to figure out who you were created to be. You can rest in Christ doing that. Why does this matter? Why am I talking to you about darkness and light? What does it matter? You see, if you read the Hebrew version of the Bible, it talks about shoal. Shoal is hell, right? Now, I'm not going to talk to you about Dante's Inferno and all those crazy things if you want to read that. But hell isn't just described as a lake of fire. See, we stop there. We love stopping there. What it really means, if you were reading the Hebrew Bible, is utter darkness for eternity. That's what hell is. No light. You have no clue what's coming. You have no clue what step to take. You have no clue what's around you. You have no clue what's coming against you. Darkness. Utter darkness. And in this world that we live in where the light can come on with a flip of a switch, we don't we discount the light at the expense of ourselves to walk in darkness for eternity. We'd rather walk in darkness because we think it's okay, it's hidden, you can't see things. But the problem with darkness, I can't see in the light, y'all. I got these thick Coke bottle glasses that I have to wear now. How can I walk for eternity in darkness? See, you see, those in Christ get to walk in the light for eternity, that is light. See, if you walk in darkness, you're as good as dead. You don't know which way to turn. You don't know what door. You're going to run into doors the rest of your life. And I don't know about you, but the worst place to be is in the middle of the night. You go to the refrigerator, there's not a light on, you need to get some water. Boom. Right into the wall, right? If you had cameras in my house, you'd laugh because that happens to me more than I want to admit. Like, and it's usually not, the, not to get water in the kitchen. It's usually on the way to the kitchen because I'm just clumsy. You know, I don't think about things. That's not something fun we want for eternity. Let me ask you this. If you were in darkness for eternity, you'd be praying for light, wouldn't you? If you were in darkness for eternity, you would love a vacation from the darkness, right? See, Jesus says, hey, I got more than a vacation. I got a way for you to walk in light. That's church of what Christmas is about. That is why Jesus is the greatest present that we've ever been given, the greatest gift that we've ever been given. And the reason is because he is the gift that God gave us. He is the present that God gave us. So right now, maybe today, I hope that you got set free from some things. You've had some fun. You're about to have some more Christmas Carol fun. But I hope maybe you feel like you're walking in darkness right now. I hope that when we sing here in a moment, when we pray here in a moment, when we just lay it down to Jesus, 
because you just I'm I'm just tired of being anxious about this darkness. You have set you have come to set me free. I know and trust you as my Lord and Savior. Would you help me walk in light today? Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're having a darkness in a relationship and finances or or or, or, or work. Or you're just you're struggling in life. You're just trying to you feel like you're in darkness. Ask Jesus to help you. Lay it down to Jesus. See, for others of us, we keep trying to look for the vacation. We clothe our things in things of this world. We think our next destination is going to be at Hawaii today, uh, New York tomorrow, Denver the next day, Chicago O'Hare, I hope never for you. It's a terrible airport. Wherever you are, they're always late. Uh, Wherever you are right now, if you know, you know. Um, Maybe you keep trying to chase the destination. And Jesus says, stop looking for the next place to go. Because the place to go, I've already came and I've prepared for you. Would you just rest in me? No longer chasing vacations, no longer hiding who you are. Would you just rest in him? Because in Christ, as we read in Isaiah, as we read in John, we don't have to keep chasing temporary happiness and a vacation that's going to end. Temporary happiness and an addiction or a struggle that we hide. Temporary. We don't have to chase happiness eternal joy in all seasons. And so the reason we do what we do every week, not just celebrating Christmas, is to point you to Jesus, the only one that can save. So with every head bow and every eye closed, maybe you've never considered Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and this is your opportunity. You've been trying to chase vacations. You've been trying to hide who you are. You've been trying to to dress up and play a part that you were never created to play, and Jesus is standing there knocking on the door of your heart And he is asking, will you receive him? What we're about to pray is not the words of this prayer that saves you. It's the faith that Jesus is who he says he is. The faith that you can't earn your righteousness. The faith that you can't work your way to be good. The faith that you can't earn your way to be set free from your sin, shame, and guilt. You can't do it. But Christ has come to do it for you. Receiving his righteousness in place of yours. And so that's what we're going to pray. We're going to confess and repent of our sin. And we're going to confess Jesus as Lord of our life. And we're going to walk step by step with him. That's the prayer that we're praying. It's a prayer of faith. So with every head bow and every eye closed, please repeat after me for the benefit of those coming to faith for the first time. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the perfect sinless life. I couldn't live. Now the death I deserve paying the penalty for my sin on the cross, but loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. Every head bow and every eye closed. If for the first time you could say that you've confessed and repented of your sin, Rendered your life to the Lord, accepting his sacrifice for your sins, him paying the penalty of God's full wrath for your sins, you making him Lord of your life and clothing you in his righteousness for the first time, if you can say that you have done that on the count of three, I ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. If you're in the house, would you raise your hand? If you're watching online, you can shoot us a comment, or if you're in the app or listening to a podcast, reach out to us via message. You can shoot it to hello at thevine.tv or Shoot us a message wherever you're listening or watching on social media or inside the app. We want to celebrate this decision with you.
It's not like, that is what John came. Jesus didn't come just so that we could have fire insurance. Jesus came so that we could be fully who we created to be. For the rest of us, you can look up. We're about to have some fun with a Christmas carol. But the reason I brought up joy in a, a second ago is what ends up happening is once we realize the depth of God's grace and mercy and Jesus setting us free, we can't help but sing with joy and thanksgiving. We can't help but have joy. And so in this moment, let us lift it up and give Jesus all the praise and let's have some joy. Would you stand and sing? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing.
Aren't you thankful that we can have vacation in Christ all the time, right? And that the joy can go to all the fishies in the deep blue sea. Joy to eat, no? Yeah, why don't we spread this joy out? Listen, we celebrate Christmas. We can celebrate Christmas every day, right? Why, why do we have to stop? You see, this is the reason why we ended with this is because see, this is, this is the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're starting in Jeremiah because he was a bullfrog, right? Right, we're gonna be in Jeremiah for real next week as we continue summer in the prophets. And I know there's a ton of information and I, and I thank y'all for hanging in here with me. But most importantly, I pray that Jesus is showing you how God has woven his word together in this letter of love for each and every one of us that is the Bible. And so let's go share that with the world. The world is hurting, y'all. The world is searching for va- vacation season's almost over. School's starting back. People are searching for hope and peace. We get to be the light sharing it to them because of Christ Jesus. Have an awesome week. Make plans to join us next week. Make plans to join us for baby dedication in two weeks. We've got a seat for you. We're going to pray away the diabetes at breakfast. Have an awesome week. And always remember, the best is still yet to come.